0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the little things. The little things. Um, we're going to go to the Book of 1 Samuel, chapter seventeen. 1 Samuel, chapter seventeen, and beginning uh, in verse thirty-three, we're caught right up in the middle of the story of David and Goliath. Now. Just because you've heard this story doesn't mean that you don't need to listen to this message. (laughs) So don't, don't, don't shut me out because I think we're going to learn some good things today. Some new things that'll be very encouraging. How many of you were at the table today? Man, wasn't that a good message? I love that. I was at the table. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth. Where are the youth in the room? Hmm? How How many of you love being told, you can't do that, you're too little, or you're too young? You love that, don't you? You're like, thank you, that's so encouraging. You're not able to do this because you are a youth, and he, a man of war from his youth. In other words, you're extremely inexperienced, and he is very experienced. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Wow. Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Everybody say like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 30, that's it. No, 37, yes. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for your amazing, living, powerful word that speaks to us, that stands the test of time. Generation after generation, people have been able to trust in your word because it never fails. And it is, its truth endures throughout all generations. So, Lord, we cling to your word today. We invite your word to our hearts and lives. We, we take this moment to be hearers to hear hearers to hear, hearers to understand, and we're asking you, God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be granted to us at this moment, Lord, so the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would see the hope of our calling, that we'd see, God, what, are the, what is the glory, what is the power of God, the glory of these, this inheritance, God, that you've brought us into, and so we thank you, Father, for speaking to us today, and we're, we are here to say, speak to us, Lord. We are here. Speak to us. Change us. Let your word have its work in our hearts and our lives. Because it's life to those who find it. And health to all of their flesh. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. The little things. The little things. This is called process. We love process, don't we? Hmm? That's why we invented the Microwave so we can shorten the process. We've done a lot of things to shorten the process. But life is a process. No matter how many conveniences you have in life, you still are going through process. And the, the scripture teaches us that life is like a box... Of, no, no, that's Forrest Gump. I'm sorry. That, <laughs> we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't fly by faith. We don't take a train by faith. We don't drive a car by faith. We walk one step after the other. Process. Process. We walk by faith. But how many of you know when you walk by faith, you win? And many times the smaller problems in our lives, the smaller issues that we may be facing, in David's case, it was the lions and the bears compared to the giant. These things can get overlooked or pushed aside so that when the big trouble comes, we don't know what to do about it because we haven't dealt with the little things. So we don't know how to deal with the big thing. Or if we overreact to the little things, if everything's a 10, when the big thing does come, that's when we snap, right? That's when we lose it because we don't know really how to navigate our actual issues, Pushing them aside, overlooking them, overreacting to them does not make them go away. And it's, the right, it's, not, it's not the right way to face them. Right. Amen. Amen. Because along the way, we've, we've not understood many times where we are or been aware of you know, what we were doing in that moment. We've not been aware of the moments in our life where there was a setup for victory. You know that you had been set up for victory. And, and there are scenarios in your life that are setups for victory. Now, you can either look at your life and look at your situations from a victim's point of view or from a victor's point of view. And if you're a child of God, you're going to do yourself much good if you look at it from a victor's point of view because that's who you are. That's who you are now. Now, you've come into his victory. Hmm? So if you're looking at it from a victim's point of view, when you come into these scenarios, you only see reasons why you lose. Why everything always happens to you. Why you never get the breaks. As soon as I, as soon as I go one step forward, it's three steps back. Right? But instead, the victor, the victor has an opportunity. They look at this as an opportunity to win. All right? I am created, recreated in Christ Jesus for victory. So this is a moment for me to overcome. So you got to have the victor's mentality because that's God's mentality. Huh? And he wants you to have it by telling you, I'm on your side. Huh? If God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Can I get a good amen? Amen. 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 God is good, and the devil can go straight to hell. But not you. You're set up for victory. But the little things get pushed aside or procrastinated. I hate procrastination but I sure am good at it. <laughs> don't amen too loud, honey. They get, well, they, well, they don't go away. They just pile up. And then she piles up on me. You get into a cycle of, of spending your energy then on the wrong things, avoiding dealing with those things rather than overcoming them. And you know what? You're wearing yourself down. Run yourself ragged, and, and before long, you can't see in the right way. You don't have the right perspective, and things get flipped. The giant in your life, though, however, this Goliath, this can also be a positive thing, a big dream in your heart. You know, you've got a big vision, a big picture, and, but you understand that it's going to take a process, a step at a time, to get to that place. On the negative side, that giant you may be facing may be some kind of bad report, you know? A a disease, a strained relationship, a a loss of a loved one, a financial downturn. But in order to beat this thing, you have to, in process, develop an overcoming lifestyle. And that is by dealing with and overcoming the little things. And the only way to overcome is by faith. But you you certainly have a leg up as a child of God because the scripture says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Amen. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Christians should never lose. We're not created to lose, all right? Because we're connected to the winning God. It happens in the daily routine of our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Amen. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? Amen, like Monday morning. Sunday morning was so exciting. Monday morning, mm-mm. It's so practical. (laughs) It's too familiar. I want to stay out there in the ethereal, you know. I want the feel good. I want the Holy Ghost goosebumps. I want, you know, I want all that stuff. I don't I don't want to be in traffic. Well, it happens. So what will you do about it? How will you govern your thoughts, your words, and your actions? It's in the little things. You know, our life, you're here today in your life, where you are, mostly because of a process of choices. I think you made an extra good choice today by coming to One Cost Church. But you are where you are and who you are today, mostly by the choices that you've made, one upon another, one upon another. So you might like, like where you are. You might not like a, a, you know, in some area of your life, but can I encourage you? You can make a new choice. Our God is a God of new beginnings. Yeah. Amen. His mercies are brand new every day. You can make a new choice. You can be in charge. Amen. You don't have to be a victim. Amen. I I told our early service that there was a, years ago, there was a thing known as the theory of uh, the broken window. The theory of a broken window. And it had to do with New York City. And a man by the name, a consultant who was brought in, who was hired, named George Kelling, to New York City, to it was a measure to test what they called the broken windows theory, and the presence of graffiti was intensely targeted in a subway system. They decided that had, they had to start where the low crime was, and they were graffitiing these 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 uh, subway cars. And so they set up the shed where they would bring these dirty cars in, these painted-on cars, and they would take the time to either repaint them or just clean them, depending on how bad it was. And they would not let them leave that station until that thing was pristine again. And they did not connect it to another dirty car. They only made sure that the trains were clean. You imagine all day long this is happening. They're having to repaint or restore another car and connect it to a clean one. Well, you can see how long this process was. It took them six years to do it. From 1984 to 1990, they are cleaning subway cars. So much so that the graffiti artists, after a while, just kind of lost their drive because every day their stuff gets erased. And no longer are they marking their territory because it's getting remarked just as soon as they mark it. And then Mayor Giuliani, he gets elected as the mayor. They call him maybe the greatest mayor of New York City. And he was the mayor when 9 11 happened. But he was elected in 1993 on his campaign, uh, what he called the zero tolerance and quality of life. He had those two slogans zero tolerance and quality of life. And he took that same concept, took it to the subway stations where people have to go through the turnstile to get onto the, onto the subway. How many of you ever been on a subway before in New York City, especially? Right? You got to go through the turnstile, you put your ticket in, and then it, it you know, like we'll probably have to do that at the stadium today. But so they targeted turnstile jumpers, guys that were just avoiding the fare, jumping over the turnstile to get in the... So they were stationing 10 cops at every station, 10 cops at every station watching for turnstile jumpers. Now, I mean, a lot of people had a problem with this because they're like, you're, you're going after fare jumpers rather than murderers and high crime. And so they, they dealt with a lot of scrutiny. But guess what? Something started happening. One in every seven that they kept, and not only, <laughs> you can imagine how embarrassing this must have been for these guys, because they would handcuff one, and then they would handcuff another, and they would wait till they had, had a whole herd of them, and then they would take them and book them together. And so they have a whole slew of people handcuffed there for jumping over a turnstile to get a free ride. One in seven, they found out, had a criminal record. One in 20 had a weapon on them. Well, guess what? Because they started dealing with those smaller crimes, the bigger crimes started going away. And in 10 years, they had the lowest crime streak in New York City history by 2001. This is phenomenal. Listen, it's the little things that add up. It's the little things that matter. And if you deal with the little things in the right way, guess what? You're gonna know how to properly deal with the big things that come. The, the trouble in your life might not really be the giant you face as much as just those little things being left undone. These seeming little things could very well be the cause of some of the chaos that has ensued in your life. David stands in confidence before this king. Your servant will go fight this giant. What makes this young man think he can do this? After seeing his older brother and this mighty valiant army called the nation of Israel running for their lives, what makes him keep his confidence up? He's ready to take care of business with this big thing because he's taking care of business and the little things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. See, Saul is caught up with this giant. Saul's caught up. His whole focus is on David's inability, his inexperience, and he's caught up in how does he know so much about Goliath? He's been a champion from his youth. It's interesting. Where's God, Saul? Where's God? You're looking at this. You're the king of Israel. You are the army of the living God. This is what the shepherd boy is trying to tell you, and you're still not getting it. How is it that you've forgotten? Because they've let that giant talk day after day after day after day after day. 40 days of listening to this man hurl threats and accusations and insults at them day after day after day after day. And the longer they let him talk, the more convinced they became. Not only his stature, but his speech. And they became so convinced that anytime time he would come out to challenge, they would run for their lives. So David shows up. It's interesting. David shows up, and his older brother Eliab tries to call him out on it. With whom have you left those few sheep? Thanks, big brother. What are you doing here? I know your pride and your insolence of heart. First of all, how does he know what's in somebody's heart, right? And who's the prideful one here, right? The fact that you think you know what's in my heart tells me you think you're God. So you're the, you're the, pride and the insolent one, prideful and insolent one. But I mean, think about this. What have you done? Well, you've left those few sheep. And I, I, would like to, I would like to have helped David here in this moment. Mm-hmm. I, I have some choice words for him to give to his brother Eliab. But he didn't. But if I were David, and Eliab had just said that to me, I might have said something like, you know my pride and insolence of heart, so y'all are the big boys, right? Obviously, and here I am, some little punk kid coming here. Well, let me ask you something, Eliab. Because all I've seen so far is you running. So all I have to do is leave my few sheep and come here and learn how to run like a little girl, and then I can be like you. Is that what you're saying? But he didn't say that. He said, what have I now done, Eliab? Is there not a cause? Pointing to this giant. Is there not a cause? Hello. And Saul, don't you know, uh, let's see, who can I pick out of here? I need a tall person. Who's tall in here? Tyler? Tyler? Are you tall? How tall are you? Good enough. Six one. Nicholas, come here, young man. God, This guy gets taller every day I see him. Oh, you, Tyler, you come too. Yeah, maybe that's about right. And you are taller than me. Okay, so for just a moment, I'm King Saul. This is Goliath, and this is the army of Israel. All right. The scripture says that King Saul was head and shoulders above all of Israel. So, we're, we're, are we about there? Somewhere around there? All right. So, here's King Saul. And he comes out, and this giant's been talking for all these days. And King Saul, you know, he has to be walking around looking at his guys, inspecting them, thinking, who can be the one to take this giant? So, he throws out this, this, this bait, if you will. Whoever kills the giant's going to get my daughter going to get riches, and you and your house will be tax-free. The IRS will be off your back once for all. <laughs> right? So he's throwing the bait out there, and you know he's like, who can do this? Who can do this? You know, every time he's walking by one of his soldiers, they're like, it's you, king. You're taller than all of us. You're supposed to face the giant, not us. Painfully obvious, But how in the world Saul is just missing the painfully obvious beats me. Thank you, Goliath. Thank you, nation of Israel. (laughs) How in the world, how in the world does he come to this place? Because Saul begins to put his eyes on the natural things. He forgets that God likes to use the weak things of this world to confound the wise. He forgets that God uses, (laughs) hallelujah, the foolish things to confound the wise and the weak things to confound the mighty. That's how God chooses people. He chooses a guy like Gideon to lead an army of 300 against what the Bible called an innumerable company of people that were against them. 300. He uses a shepherd boy to take on a giant. Saul forgets history somewhere along the way. I don't know why he forgets that or or how, but he does. And all he's doing is measuring a man by another man, a man by another man. And David shows up and he's not talking like everybody else. Think about this. When did David decide he was going to fight? Day one. For him, it was day one. The first time he heard the giant, he said, he's got to die. But they didn't say that. They let the giant talk day after day after day after day after day after day. After day. And every day they let him talk, they got weaker in the knees. They got less convinced. They, they became more forgetful of this great God who was on their side. That's what you're going to have to do. In order to take the giant, you need to remember you need to open your mouth and shut that lying lousy lizard of a devil up. Hmm? Don't let him keep talking to you. If you'll just lift your hands and you'll praise God and sing a song like we did this morning, hallelujah, I am not a... Boy. Wasn't that choir good this morning? Man, that was so good. Singing that, yeah. my victory, my victory. Yes. And something about that, the scripture says that our praise confuses the enemy, yes, right? He, he's telling you what a, what, a, what a no good count, nothing you are, and how you'll never measure up and all this, and all of a sudden you say, my victory, my victory. And the devil's like, what... The, I forgot what I was gonna say. say, No, I'm the idiot. (laughs) Right? It confuses, it confounds the and here David shows up, and this is so important. He starts recounting why he knows that giant's going down. Because I saw it happen in the littler things. The lion and the bear. This giant's going to be just like them. Because this is one thing I know, King, and this is one thing we all need to remember today, that the God who did it yesterday has to do it today. And he has to do it tomorrow because he is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Amen. He is faithful. The scripture says he's faithful even when we're faithless. He cannot deny himself. Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Has he spoken it and shall he not make it good? Huh? Amen. So David was convinced. He's done it before. Listen, don't you know David lost a sheep or two as a shepherd boy? He lost a sheep or two, but that's not what he's thinking about. That's not what he's talking about in this moment when he's facing his biggest challenge up to now. He begins to recall what God has done. That's what you got to do. Recall those victories in your life. Call upon that time when God healed you. You know, when you didn't see a way to pay for something, all of a sudden, somehow, provision came. Amen. And God was there. God protected you in that moment when that, that thing should have killed you or whatever it might have been. But God was there, and you can see his hand again and again. That's the time to call forth on those victories and say, God, if you did it then, thank God you're going to do it now for me. And con- my This is what made this young man separate from everybody else. He knew who his God was and he stood firm, confident in his God. One of the things, and here's the thing I was asking our early service too. Why would David put himself in harm's way like that for a lamb? Why would he do that? A lion and a bear? I'm sorry, Eric Holler ain't gonna mess with that. Am I in the right church today? Can can I get a witness in this house today? A lion and a bear? I know. I'm sorry. If I don't have any guns, I'm, I mean, if I had a gun, maybe, but I, I'm, if I don't have that, if I got a stick, no, thank you. All I had to do when I was in South Africa with, with these two, was I heard a leopard just, and I see him 30 yards out in front of me with no fence between us. And I thought, I'm dead. I, I didn't think I'm going to go over and pummel this thing. What's even in my head? (laughs) Right? Here's (laughs) David goes after these animals, these wild beasts, and he beats them and rescues the lamb. Why would he take such care? Because here's the thing they're not even his sheep. He says, I used to keep my father's sheep. Why do you care so much, David? And besides that, you know, he's out there alone all the time. Who's going to really know whether it happens or not? Who cares, David? (laughs) That's who cares. David cares. David cares about the little things. David feels like he's responsible. Hmm? Why should I care if he don't care? I don't own the business anyway. I just work here. Boss overlooks me all the time. Why should I put the care in? He doesn't care about me. Now, y'all were amening real good just like two minutes ago. Hmm? I'd got a raise in I don't know how long. Why should I care? Because someone is watching. It didn't. It, it, the point is, it doesn't matter whether you're out there alone or not, or whether no one sees, the truth is, God sees and you belong to Him. So we're accountable whether nobody's there or they are because He's the one we're accountable to. The scripture says, Whatever you do in do it with your whole heart as to the Lord, not to men, knowing it's from the Lord you're going to receive your reward. Amen. David had this strong sense of accountability, not out of fear, but because he knew he belonged to God. You know how I know he knew he belonged to God? Because he said those words, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm his sheep. Hmm? And he's out there and he has this revelation in Psalms chapter eight, and we'll finish with this. He has this amazing revelation. Psalms chapter eight. See, David has a history. Before we we, we know what's happening here, that he has this audacity to stand before the king and say, I can take the giant with all this confidence in the world. We have to know a little bit of what got him there to say that when everybody else is buckling under the pressure. In Psalms chapter 8, I can almost see David's out at night with with the sheep. He's out at night, and he's laying out there under the stars, and he begins to look up at the vastness of those heavens and the myriads and myriads of stars. And all of a sudden, he starts feeling really small. You know what that's like to look up at that huge sky? And he says these words, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? God, why would you be thinking about me? What am I or the son of man that you visit him? Out of all of this, you choose me. Why would you want to be with me? You're not out there visiting with the stars and the moon. You're coming to me. You want to have a relationship with me. It's so good. Verse uh, 5. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, if you're a studier of the Hebrew and the Greek, you'll find out that angels here is not a real good translation. It's actually the word Elohim, which means God. Yeah. You've made him a little lower than God. See, the angels weren't made in his image. We were made in his image. We were made after his likeness. When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, same word, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Of all these wonderful things, God, that you made, I realized something. You didn't make them for you. You made them for me. You crowned me with glory and honor. Look, verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You made it, and then you said, now you're in charge. Oh, my God. you see? We belong to him. So wherever we find ourselves in whatever kind of work, this isn't about the boss. This is about you and God. Huh? And learning the little things and you giving yourself to whatever you're doing. Act like you own it. Hmm? Amen. Own it. Take responsibility for that which you have been given. Now look at this. You have put all things under his feet. What a revelation. So when David has this kind of understanding and he's standing before that giant, he's looking at a floor mat, not a giant. You've put all things under his feet. Next, look at the first thing he says. All sheep. In other words, David says, I realize that my job's important to you. You put all things under my feet and the sheep is where I'm at. So I'm going to see that as my stewardship. Even though David wasn't destined to be a shepherd boy, he was destined to be king of Israel. But he saw where he was as the call of God on his life. Mm -mm -mm. Is this helping you? Is it challenging you? Amen. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, verse 8, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. Look at all the stuff you're in charge of. That pass through the paths of the sea, verse 9, O oh Lord. Let's all read that nice and loud together. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We know that Saul was still thinking in natural terms when he says, well, I can't, if I can't talk you out of it, here, This is what I fight with. So I want you to take what I fight with and go fight this giant, since I'm too chicken to do it. So David puts on the king's armor, and he's like, this ain't how I fight. I love this sword. I love this shield. I mean, this is great. I mean, by the way, you got this from the Philistines. You know, that's how we learn, That's how Israel got their swords and things because they learned, they, they stole from the Philistines because the, they had the most pristine weaponry around. Matter of fact, Israel would take their swords and things to the Philistines for them to sharpen them because they didn't know what to do with this stuff. It was, it was advanced. And so uh, they, they learned how to fight like the Philistines and that's why they lost many times when they tried to fight like their enemy did. So here he puts on his armor and he's, go, he's going after him. And he's like, King, no, 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 no. My dad used to say it like this. King, I I don't need your armor. I already have your anointing. And Saul's looking at this boy with his gown on. He's like, how are you going to do this, David? You can almost see this smirk come on David's face. And he reaches in his little robe pocket and he pulls out a sling. Oh, yeah, King, right here, baby. King's like, you're an optimistic lad, aren't you? (laughs) Go on. The Lord be with you. And David went. He went down to that brook called Kidron. And he knelt down and he reached out of there five smooth stones. I wonder why he picked five. Hmm? You think he picked five just in case he missed? Or for Goliath's four other brothers? because there were five of them. I think he planned on just killing all of them. But it's also kind of a cool representation of the pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and apostle in the hands of the shepherd. And he takes that, takes that stone, and the scripture says, as he's going out there, and of course, he apparently has a staff with him because Goliath says, you come at me with sticks? He's like, You're about to find out I ain't going to use a stick. I'm going to use a rock. (laughs) Come at me with sticks. I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. And then David says, now listen, he hears the giant throw his threat. And then this is what David says. "Uh Uh-uh, I'm going to do that to you. (laughs) It's exactly what he said. Uh Uh-uh, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. Matter of fact, I'm going to take your head off. Right? I'm going to take it. Now, if you're looking at this, who are you going to be more convinced of? The giant, or this arrogant, loud-mouthed kid. I, I'm not going to feed your carcass, but I'm going to take your head off, so I just one-upped you. And then it says that David ran toward the giant. This kid is audacious. I, you got to give him that. He runs toward him, and he's swinging that sling around. And it says that he let the stone go, and it sank deep into the giant's forehead. And Goliath fell, pff, face down to the earth and guess what happened it wasn't over yet that was only half the promise then he went over took his own sword out of his sheath and he cut the giant's head off it was as David said not as the giant and God brought a great victory that day listen through somebody who dealt with the little things in his life Hmm? it's the daily things The daily thoughts, the daily words, and the daily actions. That if you'll deal with those, if you'll be a continual overcomer, when the big problems come, you'll overcome. And you'll lead others into victory as well. Because that victory of the giant brought the victory for the entire nation of Israel. Amen. Father, thank you for this time with your precious people. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for these inspiring truths and stories, Lord, that we read of. And Lord, just seeing your faithfulness abounding again and again and again. I pray, God, for those that are here today, maybe, Lord, that are in a situation that maybe it is a giant in their life. I pray, God, that they would be encouraged right now in this moment. Encouraged and inspired in hope that with God, all things are possible. And I thank you that your word says you are a very present help in time of need. Your word says we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I pray right now in the name of Jesus for breakthrough. I pray, God, for hope to come springing forth. That these who have been discouraged, dismayed, disgusted would become prisoners of hope today so that they could be free from every bondage every fear every anxiety every worry I thank you Lord your word says that we will see no lack those who trust in you will not lack any good thing so we set our hearts our faith on you today and thank you Lord that even if we don't see the way you see the way we don't know the way you know the way because you are the way Listen, let me just say this to you. Don't get the mentality, there's no way. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've said it with your own mouth. Maybe you said it this morning. There's just no way. But let me help you understand, Christian, exactly what you're saying when you say that. Because Jesus said, I am the way. So if you say there's no way, then what you're saying is there is no Jesus for me in this situation. Huh? Huh? Let's all just say there is a way because he's the way. And as long as the way is with you, there's always a way. Amen. And he leads us this way. The scripture says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who always leads us in triumph. Amen. He gives you the victory today. So receive what he has come to give you in Jesus name. Amen. You took a hold of that glorious gospel. It's what brought you into this thing. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. When you believed on that, you became a whole brand new creation, born more than a conqueror. So I want to encourage you, put your faith in God today. Don't magnify your problems. Magnify your God. Amen. David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that.